Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. Our first lesson today comes from Ezekiel in chapter 37, beginning with the first verse. And just a short kind of setting the pace for this, Ezekiel is a prophet. He is serving with the Jewish people in exile in Babylon. He was among those taken into exile. Uh, their kingdom, Judah, is done. It's finished. And so this is the setting in which he talks about the vision the valley of the dry bones. God paints pictures for him, so to speak, to make a point, and this is one of those stories. Listen now to the Word of God. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. And He led me all around them, and there were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. And he said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as had been commanded and as I prophesied suddenly there was a noise, a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone and I looked and there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin covered them but there was no breath of in them. And then God said to me, prophesy to the breath, Proph prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and bring a, breathe upon these slain that they may live. And I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. And then God said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, and we are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people." And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil, that you shall know that I am the Lord, and that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The New Testament reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, and it's from John chapter 11. It tells the story of Jesus being called by Mary and Martha to come and assist them. And I will be reading 
beginning with verse 3 and then selected verses through the remainder of the chapter. The sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Their brother, Lazarus, was sick to the point of dying. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is to God's glory so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Accordingly, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. After hearing that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after he had that, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. In verse 17, when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And skipping on to verse 20, when Mary heard Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of, on the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, they live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. In verse 32, Mary came where Jesus was, and she saw him, and she knelt at his feet, and she said to him, the other sister, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved, and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the, new, so the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, neatly, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said, Lord, already there is stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. I know you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The word of the Lord. Where do you stay? Do you know that question? Have you ever heard that? It's a phrase I first came across in eastern North Carolina. It was very common there. And it meant, where do you live? What's your residence? 
who, who are your people? That's another way of saying it. But I had not heard it until we lived in that part of the world. And I just assumed it was a local colloquialism, something that had cropped up there in that place as, as things do. But several years later, our family was visiting other parts of our family in Western North Carolina, and they had some residents, some guests in that area who were from Scotland and who spoke with a little bit of an accent, you know. And we were at a dinner party with them one evening, and the woman turned to me, realizing I was not from that locality where they were visiting, and she said, where do you stay? And I went, oh, I've heard that question before, but not with that kind of accent. Where do you stay? Where are you from? As it turns out, the first European settlers in, Eastern North, in much of Eastern North Carolina were from Scotland. So somehow or another, that phrase hung around for, has hung around for several hundred years. Where do you stay? Where is it that you reside? Where are your people from? What's your place of identity? Where do you stay? Where did Jesus stay? In John 11, he stayed away for two days. He had gotten word that his friend Lazarus was, dead, was ill uh, to the point of death. He had gotten a, a message to come and see him, but he stays away for two days. When Martha and Mary finally do see Jesus, they are beside themselves. They had sent him word. They asked him to come, but he doesn't. Martha greets him first. If you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary uses those same words. Jesus, we needed you. Where have you been? If you had been here, this would not have happened. How many times have we said in other circumstances, besides death, maybe there, but others as well, we have said or thought, if someone had been there, this might not have happened, or if I had been there, this might not have happened. The reality of death is something that is with us and we can't get around. We wonder what's going to happen if we, when we do die. We, we struggle with that. If something else happened, then maybe. The Bible scholar Raymond Brown has written that the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead is the fulcrum of the Gospel of John. By that he means it is the place that the ministry of Jesus turns from the signs that Jesus does to a way of focusing on the power of what Jesus was doing in all of those signs, the power of new life. It is, it is sort of the tipping point where things begin to come into real clear focus. This is what we're about, folks. It's a moment of coming to belief. The word that's used in the Greek is pistuo. And very often we think of belief as sort of an assent. It's that thing we say we believe, we don't use that word, but 
But whenever you go online and you're going to open up a new app or deal with some uh, service online, you have to fill out a form. And at the bottom of it, there's this little box and it says, uh, click this, you have to click the box for the terms and conditions. And it usually it often says, I have fully read and understand all the terms and conditions. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. And we click it. We believe. That's not belief. That's an assent. That's saying, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This kind of belief that Jesus is speaking of is not that kind of clicking the box. This kind of belief is trust. This kind of belief is, is undergirding something that is in life that is more than simply getting through and saying, yeah, 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 yeah. I want, a, I want the next thing. I want the service that's provided. No, this is trust. Trusting God, trusting others, trusting ourselves that there is a power and a love and a grace in the world that will be there no matter what. That's what we are asked to do. And did you notice when Jesus asked Mary, he said, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe that? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. He didn't ask her if she believed he was the Son of God. She, he asked her if she trusted him to show a different way of life, a different power of life that would cut through all of the pain, all of the turmoil and the trouble. You could say that maybe Jesus stayed away for those two ways to help us learn how to believe. His staying away was so that he could be ready to confront this difficult circumstance in his own life and in ours as well. Where was he, though? Was he just wasting time? Timing is such an important quality in life, and where we spend it determines on what we're going to be able to do. Jesus was spending time with God so that he could be ready to confront the reality of Lazarus's death, so that he could be ready to stand with Mary and Martha, so that he could be ready to weep, not just shed a tear. Oh, I got something in my eye. No, Jesus wept. The kind of soul-sucking crying that gets you down on the floor. That's weeping, caring for something so much that you hurt because it has been taken away. For Jesus to be able to endure that he had to spend time away. Elizabeth Goodman, a 
United Church of Christ pastor has written, has, has puts it this way. I think it's wrong to suppose that Jesus could have saved Lazarus, Lazarus if only he hadn't delayed. Wrong not just because the timing's off. What I think the truth is quite to the contrary. Jesus couldn't have raised Lazarus unless he stayed where he was. For it is by Jesus so absolutely staying where he was in the Father and the Father in him that he was able to restore Lazarus. It's just, it's by Jesus staying perfectly where he was in God as God is in him that he was able to do the work that was set before him to do. His staying where he was didn't result in Lazarus' death. His staying where he was resulted in Lazarus's restoration to life. Painful challenges require great strength. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there is the encounter of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he is arrested and crucified. That's not in John's gospel. In John's gospel, we have Jesus staying away so that he can confront death and restore and resurrect Lazarus. If you had only been here is a line we may have had someone say to us or that we may have said to other someone else. It's not simply about being absent. It's about being prepared. Jesus spent time away so that he could be prepared to confront the power of death, the reality of the circumstance where he was. Where do you spend times in your life when you know you're going to have a difficult situation? Where do you go? Jesus showed a pathway for where we, to, for, for where we might go in sharing and preparing in our own lives. Mary and Martha did not understand why he was staying away. They asked him, where have you been? The question for us to answer is, where do you stay? That is a question not simply that we ask to God and Jesus, but it is a question that we may ask of ourselves. Where do you stay? Where do you stay in those difficult times of circumstances and trial? Where do you stay? May we find our way to stay with God so that we are nourished and encouraged and protected this day and always. Thanks be to God. Amen. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.